Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Start the show! It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to John's Audio Resume, Volume 7. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back. And whoo boy, this is a fun one. I love this one so much because I haven't thought of it in a long time. But as I was sort of plotting out the remaining episodes here, which I, I may give you a preview to that here in a bit, but we may wait a couple of weeks for that. I was thinking about all my jobs, and I'm like, okay, so I did Sports Rack 2001 and 2002, 2004. Okay, I remember that job. What the hell did I do for money in 2003? What was that? And I go, oh, yeah. I remember now. <clears throat> and so I was living in Fort Collins. I had just finished my junior year of college, which was one of my favorite years of all time. So summer of 2003 comes, it rolls around and I can't find a job. Finding a job in Fort Collins is impossible. And like I went to bartending college of Denver in uh, 2002 and you, you can't break into Fort Collins. It's impossible because all the barkeeps there stay forever. There's, there's no openings to be had because bartenders do very, very well in a college town. Fancy that, right? And so I had this useless sort of bartending degree. I had just broken up with my girlfriend like in February of, uh, of 2003. And so I was like sort of a new man at that point. And I realized I was a little bit behind in terms of my credits. Now I was doing fine, like overall credit wise, but what no one told me was that I needed a certain number of upper division credits, like classes that were above 300 level. And so I realized I had to catch up over summer school. I needed like nine credits over the summer. And so what I did was I took two classes during the first summer session. They're like four weeks each. And th those were a little bit harder. I did one like history of the American West from like 1850 onward, something like that, uh, which was actually a really interesting class. And then I took women in communication. That class was great. That was part of my major. Uh, and it was with the man who ended up being my thesis advisor guy named Dr. Greg Dickinson, who is the head of the CSU speech department now. But those classes actually took some effort and they were four weeks. The other class I took was like this bullshit writing class. It was like 300 level comp. And I remember getting in there and I'm like, my major has harder writing assignments than this. This class is nonsense. But the byproduct of it was, it was like 840 in the morning that I had to go to it, which when you are 21 years old, as I was at the time, 8.40 in the morning is like impossible. And it was hot as shit that summer too. 
It was awful. So the only good thing was I'd wake up. I think I wore most days like this Vince Carter basketball jersey, which how embarrassing is that? I'd hop on the scooter, go to class. It was bullshit. And then I'd just come back. And I remember this vividly. What I'd do is I'd make uh, a bagel with cream cheese and deli meat. I'd have that. I'd watch Saved by the Bell, which was on at like 10 and 10.30. And then at 11 o'clock and noon was reruns of American Gladiators. So I'd plop my ass on the couch. And if I wasn't asleep again by that point, at usually around 1 o'clock, this is when the Cubs were still on WGN a lot, there'd be a Cub game on. And uh, I'd watch that. I'd do some bullshit for my writing class. And then, you know, party. But the problem was we didn't have any money. Like, I couldn't find a job. My friend Jamie, who I was up there with, couldn't find a job. My friend Deuce, who also lived with me, he found a job. He was working at the men's warehouse, I think, at that point, because our other friend Brian had worked there. He had a hookup. And um, a part of me was jealous for that, but the other part of me really, really wasn't because he had to wear a suit every day. So I think it aged him like 10 years just that summer because he'd come home with his like suit on. And he'd make dinner, have one beer, go to bed, and then he'd have to go be on again. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not into that. What I like to do is break out our slip and slide, take shots at Jaeger, and throw water balloons at each other. Which legitimately happened plenty that summer. It was tremendous. Just what a time to be alive. And what a time to be 21 years old. But again, no money. So, in talking to my dad, he had worked for a company at that point called Evergreen Energy. I think it's evergreen energy or evergreen resources. I think it was evergreen resources actually. And they were doing some oil and gas development in Alaska. So I knew almost nothing about the industry at that point. But my dad said to me, he's like, we have a state fair booth that we need to construct. And then we need someone to work it. Would you be interested in that? And I go, yeah, like for how long? He goes, it would be like a week's worth of work. You'd be up there for like nine days. And I go, yeah, what What would you pay? And he's like, probably a thousand bucks. Like if you and a friend, do you have a friend who might be interested in that? I'm like, yeah, his bedroom is right across the hall from mine. Hell yeah, I do. He's like, okay, let me just work this out a little bit. He called me one day and he goes, you're in? You leave for Alaska on this date? Is your friend in? I said yes without confirming with him first, but I knew he didn't have shit else going on. And he goes, great. Uh, Your plane tickets are paid for. Your lodging is paid for. You get a per diem for food. And I'm like, get out of here. And uh, we'll pay you a thousand bucks. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I haven't worked all summer, but you're going to pay me a thousand dollars to go to Alaska? Fuck yeah. So I called up Jamie and I said, dude, pack your bags. We're going to Alaska. And it was fantastic. I mean, like what a gig if you're 21 years old. He had just turned 21 a few months after I did. So we're two 21-year-old dipshits. They fly us to Alaska. We stop in Portland. So naturally, we got beers and shots in the airport right before we're supposed to meet the people who are going to be supervising us, but they're all super cool too. Like Alaska is a different place. If you've never been there, you should go there because Alaska is remarkable. It's fantastic. And the people are really down to earth and sort of quirky and off kilter. You've got a lot of sort of like burnouts trying to get off the grid and you can do that because Alaska has nothing but fucking space. 
Like, seriously, you go up there and it's breathtaking. The mountains just shoot right up out of the ocean. And as you're driving from, like, so we flew into Anchorage. We were going to Wasilla, which if you know anything about Wasilla, I'll just pause here. You probably know its former mayor, who then became governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin. I'm pretty sure Sarah Palin was the governor, or I'm sorry, was the mayor of Wasilla while we were there, which was too weird in retrospect. But we get up there, we get picked up by this guy named Scott. He was a state rep. He also worked for Evergreen. He looked kind of like a pudgier version of Jeff Bagwell. If you remember Jeff Bagwell, he played for the Astros, first base, power hitter. Really good player. But uh, so Scott looked like a pudgy version of Jeff Bagwell. And then he took us to meet this guy, John. And John was like the head of the Evergreen office. And John was a mess. Seriously. He had like stains on his shirt. He was really overweight. He was like this Asian guy. And uh, I mean, and a serial liar too. I mean, he used to just make shit up about like how he was married to a supermodel or, you know, he had uh, a fully stocked bar in his basement filled with all this obscure liquor I'd never heard of yet. He didn't himself drink. And I'm like, well, then what's the fucking point, man? Like, why do you have all this? Like, who gives a shit? And I'm 21. Why are you trying to impress me? I'm working for you for like a thousand dollars this week. That's it. Um, I'm going to be gone here. What? Anyway. So we get up there. They tell us what we need to be doing. Uh, we tour around with some of their engineers and he basically gives us like a drilling and hydraulic fracturing 101. So if you know hydraulic fracturing, this was my first exposure to it. This was in 2003. And yet we're still talking about it. Hydraulic fracturing has been around since like 1947, also known as fracking. So the folks of Alaska were elements of them were not pleased with this drilling plan that they had. So the first day we basically had to go around and we were with like a drilling engineer. He took us to a well site uh, and he explained like how casing models work. So how do you protect groundwater? And there's all these strings of casing that are layered on top of each other. So there's like casing and then cement and then casing and then cement. And it was, again, my first exposure to this. I could explain this to you in my sleep at this point because I've spent a large chunk of my professional career doing this. But at the time, it's sort of mystifying. And as I'm thinking about it now, I go, okay, if it took me, a kid working for this company, whose dad has been in this industry forever, a bit to understand this, I can understand why the general public would have some reservation about this. And I hadn't thought about this story in a long time, but it makes sense to me now. It's a nice little epiphany to have. So the second day, we actually had to build the booth which Jamie and I were blisteringly hung over that day because there was this bar. I think it was just called Wasilla Bar. It was enormous. And there was a shockingly, shockingly good cover band that played there on the reg. And they would talk about how they had gigs there and they'd come down to the lower 48. But they could do everything from like ACDC to, you know, like Joan Jett to Led Zeppelin to Blink-182 I mean, they, these guys played across the spectrum and they were fucking great. So we just got hammered listening to them. And then there was this karaoke guy who was there and there was a Wasilla paper. And Jamie said, I'll bet you by the end of this week, 
that this karaoke dude will be in the paper. And I go, dude, this is a small town, but not that small. Like, give me a break. Three days later, sure enough, he opens a paper, gets a really smug grin on his face, and he goes, there you go. And I'm like, Jesus, they wrote a profile of the karaoke guy. Like, this week, what are the odds? Maybe this is every week. Maybe uh, maybe his set list gets covered. But it was like a profile piece on the karaoke guy. So we're hung over as balls. And we go up to Scott's house. He's got a daughter who's pretty hot who I sort of – just to fuck with him. Just because – I mean, I can be kind of a scoundrel. Like, I, I'm i a better person now, as I think most people are in their 30s, than I was in my 20s. But I, I would just sort of flirt with her and hit on her just to make Scott uncomfortable because she was like – she was turning 18 the day after we left. And so I would sort of make subtle jokes about that. And uh, <laughs> it was just fun to watch his face just because he was such a goon. But uh, we're at his house. We're building like uh, like this stage. He teaches us, and I'm probably butchering this, like 16 up framing. I can't remember what it's called. But he teaches us framing. Neither of us fucking – I don't remember it to this day. And I would be surprised if Jamie does. But, yeah, we're just hammering nails. We're putting stuff together. We had to get a tent. And then we drove it down to the Alaska State Fair, which was in Wasilla. And put the tent up. Like got – everything in order and then the state the state fair started and so basically the building part was done and that was easy enough we got a tent from like the richest guy in town like we didn't even rent one it's like no i know this guy here it was like a total small town vibe he's like no this guy he has a tent we just go to his house we take it off his lawn i'm like what the fuck like what is this place but uh one of the other things like and the reason they hired us was we needed to learn sort of the company profile and the company talking points in a very short amount of time. And so they gave us all this material and Jamie and I, before we would go drink, would just like read up on it. Cause I mean, we were in the habit of studying at that point. So it was pretty easy and it was fun, you know, like learning about who this company was and what they do. And then we had to go to like this town meeting that they had at a nearby town called Sutton. And so John, the main guy at Evergreen, was like, just don't tell everyone or don't tell anyone you're with Evergreen. I'm like, fair enough. So remembering this old Friends episode, I said to Jamie, I'm like, okay, you be Mr. Gonzalez and I'll be Mr. Wong. And so (laughs) he laughed at that. But like they made everyone sign in. I'm like, what name did you put? He goes, I just went with Gonzalez. I'm like, what, like Jamie Gonzalez? And he goes, yeah. And so I said, what did you put for phone number? Because Alaska is like a one area code sort of uh, place. And he goes, I just put our Fort Collins phone number down there just with no area code. I go, God, you were so much better at this than I am. Because I just like made up a phone number, which is stupid. And I think I put some fucking alias on there. Like I should have just gone with Jonathan Wong. That would have been funny. Uh, Blonde Swedish guy. Oh, yeah, my last name's Wong, totally. Don't I look like it? Fuck you. <clears throat> but uh, seeing that happen in the flesh was really interesting, too. Seeing, like, community activists, and now, again, this is second nature. This is where I spend my time. I do issues of public importance, and so I see angry people in communities all the time for any number of reasons. But, again, this was my first exposure to it. I did not know at the time just how much this would influence my career going forward. At the time, however, 
mostly I just looked forward until whenever we were done working to when we could go get drunk. <laughs> and we got drunk pretty much every night to the point where by like the fifth night, we were kind of bored of it. And we actually went over to the Fred Meyer and thought about renting a video game system. We ultimately, that ended up being uh, cost prohibitive, so we didn't. Uh, and we just buckled down and managed to drink some more. So, you know, not all heroes wear capes. So, being at the Alaskan State Fair is an experience. And Alaska, as I said, is gorgeous. So it's August. The sun doesn't go down until like 1030 at night. And then it gets up ass early in the morning. But uh, all sorts of people came to our booth and would ask us questions. The only rough part was there was a guy who sold like snow plows next to us. And you could like adjust the arms of it with like it was like hydraulics and he had it like on this remote control. He did that all day. So you'd be sitting there in your booth and it would be like, and you're like, God, shut up. I'm hungover. Like, please stop doing that. The other thing, before I get back to the Alaskan people, there was this dude who worked there, a guy named Mike Belowich, who <laughs> is one of the funniest fucking dudes, I think. And he doesn't know that he's funny. And so I don't want this to come off as mean-spirited because I have genuine affection for this guy. But the way he talked reminded me so much of Tony Clifton. You remember Andy Kaufman's alter ego, Tony Clifton? He uh, kind of talked like this. You know. He's like, uh, what's your name, Bob? What's your last name? Up and down in the water? That's how Tony Clifton talked. Bellowitch talked just like this. So, like, at one point, we were manning the booth. It was, you know, it was, like, towards the end of the day at the State Fair. And uh, John's there, and he goes, all right, everyone, we got to we gotta do a little huddle here. And Bellowitch walks up, and he goes, I got to be in a huddle. What kind of huddle is this? I'm drinking my Shasta. <laughs> and so Jamie and I, every time Mike would talk, would just have to stifle laughter because we were way into that man on the moon movie where Jim Carrey was Andy Kaufman and Tony Clifton. So we had that like right on the brain and to meet a guy who sounded just like that was mind blowing. Uh, Grand Funk Railroad played at the Alaskan State Fair that year. And so he comes up after seeing him playing an air guitar and he goes, we're an American band. <laughs> and it's like, hell yeah. Can you keep going on that mic? And, I wish camera phones were invented at this point because I just need to capture this forever. Thankfully, it lives on in the old brain pan here. But there are a couple of stereotypes about Alaskans that I think is worth addressing. One of them is that Alaskans per capita are fat. And I can tell you after spending about nine days in Wasilla and Anchorage and interacting with people at the Alaskan State Fair. This is 100% true. Yeah, lots of fat people in Alaska. Holy hell. Jamie and I were in a subway at one point, and this dude walks in with, like, a 70s porn stash. He's wearing a hat that's, like, you know, uh, the bill is, like, pointed skyward. And he's wearing his old football jersey. It's, like, number 66. It's, like, one of those mesh deals that... You know, it's like a male midriff kind of thing. And his gut is hanging down over his belt. It's so fucking gross. 
And he starts ordering a sandwich to this poor girl behind the counter, this like high school girl. And he asks for mustard and she goes, do you want like regular yellow mustard or, you know, like Dijon mustard? And he goes, I don't want none of that gray poo poo. And she goes, okay. And he's like, get it. Gray poo poo. And she's like, "Ah, I got it. And Jamie and I look at each other and I think we audibly groaned. We just look over at each other. We're like, ugh. like, first of all, sir, please don't wear that Jersey. Your gut is almost touching your knees. Holy fucking shit. That is disgusting. And then secondly, stop laying any game on this high school girl. You are, sir, I hope are not a predator, but Jesus Christ. There was this one chick in Wasillabar too, who kept looking over at us and Jamie and I were looking at her. She had the biggest thong I've ever seen sticking out the back of a pair of pants. Like it was remarkable. And we were groping for sort of a proper metaphor to describe the size of this thong. And, uh, our friend Clayton, who was from Alaska said, so what you're saying is if there were a way to destroy the moon, this thong would somehow be prominently involved. And we go, yes, that is exactly right. But uh, a lot of large folks in Alaska and, you know, maybe that's a survival thing. And I, I, I obviously don't want to stereotype the entire state, but based on my observations, holy shit, there were a ton of fat people there. So getting back to the state fair. So we're working this booth. It's fine. I mean, the day goes pretty quickly. I tried my first deep fried Twinkie there. It was oddly unsettling and it sat like a fucking brick in my stomach. So I don't really recommend that. Um, although the screw doesn't turn for me with fried foods the way it does for some other people. So your mileage may vary. I also had deep fried Oreos once at the, uh, Wyoming frontier days or Cheyenne frontier days. Uh, I didn't like that much either. Just eat regular Oreos. Um, deep fried beer. It's like odd tasting ravioli. So anyway, people always want to deep fry stuff. I think that's overrated, but we got pretty good at interacting with the public by the end of the week. And so as our time sort of started wrapping up, we had like one night left and this chick Rose, who was like the office administrator, she goes, and everyone wanted us to party. It was too weird. Like, no one there partied themselves, but they wanted us to go party for them. Like, they go, you should go down and spend the night in Anchorage. We're like, yeah, well, we're poor college students. Like, we need this money. Like, we can't be blowing money on hotels and, and taking a fucking cab down there. And she goes, well, I'll tell you what. Let me book this on the company credit card. We'll get you guys a ride down there. We'll pay for your hotel. Get in there. Get something to eat. And charge it to the room. And then go check out like Chilkoot Charlie's or the Alaskan Bush Company. And we're like, the Alaskan Bush Company? What is that? And she goes, it's a strip club down there. And we go, okay. Uh, and then like four other people are like, oh, yeah, you guys should totally go to the Alaskan Bush Company. Have you been to the beach club? And uh, the beach club is the strip club in Wasilla. And I'm not proud to announce that, yes, we've been there. And it to this day is my least favorite strip club I think I've ever been to. And just... We walk in and it was like the record scratching. Everyone looks over at us like, oh, who are these two city dipshits, huh? So we spent approximately 10 minutes in there, drank our beer really quickly and then left because, wow. Uh, we ended up not going to the Alaskan Bush Company, but we did go to Chilkoot Charlie's, 
which if you ever read a list of like iconic bars in the country, Chilkoot Charlie's is usually on there. And so we get down to our hotel in Anchorage. It's not far from the, uh, from the hotel, which is really nice. Drop our stuff off. We go down to the restaurant. We get like a big appetizer platter. And then of course, <laughs> because we're irresponsible goons, we just start charging drinks. And we get beers, and we get shots of, like, top-shelf vodka and top-shelf whatever. And I'm like, oof, I, I hope, like, I hope this isn't going to be a problem. We get the bill. The bill is 50 bucks, which, if you know anything about college kids, a bill of 50 bucks is almost unheard of. It's like, you spent 50 bucks at a bar? Holy shit. And so I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, it's my dad's thing, so I'll I'll fall on the sword, like... And so I signed the thing. I never heard a word about it. And if you know anything about corporate expense accounts, 50 bucks is not, I mean, that's not anything. So we get a cab over to Chilkoot Charlie's. Chilkoot Charlie's is badass. Like what a great bar. But as soon as we pull up, (laughs) we were like fresh meat in Alaska. It was wild. This chick walks up to us and she goes, um, she's missing her front teeth. And she's like, I was in a snow machining accident. What's your number? And we're like, we're in from out of town. We don't really have a number. She's like, well, here's mine. Two, four, nine, seven, six, five, one. Jamie's like, two, four, et cetera. Got it. Thank you. (laughs) And we go in and we proceed to get absolutely obliterated. The thing about Chilkoot Charlie's is it's got all these like almost sub bars in it. There's like an outdoor patio. There's a place with some asshole playing an acoustic guitar, you know, singing a bunch of I probably fucking Cat Stevens tunes or something. And then there's like a dance bar and there's like this one weird cave where there's like bras tacked up on the wall. Needless to say, we end up getting wrecked. Like in a way that where I reflect on it, I'm like, man, we were really messed up. But we're sitting in like the techno bar and we both are staring down like these giant Coors Light tall boys that we have just trying to get it done, trying to finish it. We get in a cab back to the hotel and the hotel has like this underground tunnel and Jamie and I come in and we are loud. And this is the the time in our life too, where we are about at our loudest. So anyone who partied with us in college remembers our loud phase, which was a lot of fun for us, but I think everyone else loathed with a passion. And so the hotel manager guy comes up to us. He's like, Hey, we've got people here. They need to go to work in the morning. So can you guys please keep it down? I go, yes, but can we jog? (laughs) And he goes, okay. So we jog, we jog through the underground tunnel and then we get up to our room where Jamie proceeds to throw up while singing the, uh, the tune to even flow by Pearl jam. It was amazing. He's like vomiting. He's in there. He's like, hey, and he'd come up and he'd be like, and uh, it was almost, it was like Adam Sandler's version of Eddie. uh, Yeah. Adam Sandler's version of Eddie Vedder. If you remember from SNL, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. I proceed to take a shower. We set off. We, uh, we didn't set off anything. We set about six alarms. And they all went off at exactly the same time. So we woke up. It was pure chaos. And we got to the airport and we realized, oh, Jesus, we're still fucking trashed. This is awful. And upon check-in, it was like the first 
sort of blush at uh, like self-service kiosks, you had to type in like this 12-digit alphanumeric code to get your boarding pass. And so it got to the point where Jamie had to hold it with both hands and read it out loud to me as I punched it in. Took us seriously like 10 minutes. I can't believe they let us get on this flight, to be honest with you. But uh, we slept it off on the flight to Portland. Felt like death in Portland. Got back. By the time we were in Denver, all was well. Uh, we submitted our expenses and uh, like our ledger. And we got paid, I don't know, a week later. It was the easiest and funnest job I've ever had. And kind of fits with a theme here where I'll have a job for like a week or two weeks. And I think that if there's a lesson to be had here is that if someone is willing to offer you experience, take it. Like particularly if you're a young person, don't say no to employment opportunities as they come up because rarely once you're older, will you get the opportunity to sort of explore as many different things as I have. I mean, I think about, I worked in the restaurant for like two weeks or whatever it was. I sold painting estimates for an hour and a half. Uh, you know, I did like property maintenance for a couple of months. I did this job for a week. I got paid a thousand dollars and they sent me to Alaska. I mean, what a fucking dream, right? If you're 21 years old, it doesn't get much better than that. You get to go with your best friend to an awesome place where they pay you to do a little bit of work. And then mostly you're just off drinking. Fantastic. What? I mean, what a life. What a fantastic thing. Had some money in my pocket that carried me through the rest of the semester and I think the rest of the year because in Fort Collins at the time, you could get drunk on 20 bucks pretty easily. Like you got really good at it. And if you crowdsource some of this and if you did it right, no problem. You didn't need a ton of money. So, but again, I also would like to take a moment to recognize how lucky I am and how privileged this life I've lived is. I mean, it's, it's been a pretty fucking charmed existence. Not everyone has a dad that can offer you a job that pays $1,000 for a week's worth of work in Alaska. I fully own that, and I feel very fortunate. But to me, that doesn't diminish the lesson where if someone offers you something, take it. Give it a shot. Just go for it. It'll, it'll work out. It'll be fun. So really, really fortunate to have done this job. And... To this day, it's still the only time I've ever been to Alaska, but, uh, hopefully I'll go back and, uh, I, I recommend Alaska very much. The people are really friendly. Um, many of them are overweight, at least based on my observations, but that does not diminish their kindness or sort of their weirdness. It's a different breed in Alaska and I love them very, very much. Alrighty, Roo, let's play the outro. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. You've heard me go on and on about 4Degrees, so all I'll say is if you're not using them and you are running some sort of, sort of web campaign, you're doing it wrong, okay? Very simply, anything that you need to do on the web, they will help you optimize it at a price that's very affordable and very attractive. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Hey, why don't you like us on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or Pinterest? Get in touch with the John of All Trades podcast on any of those platforms. The handle is the same for all of them, J-O-A-T pod. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. 
So hit that subscribe button. New episodes will get downloaded directly to you. The only thing I ask in return is leave us a rating. And if you're so inclined, leave us a review. The website is, of course, johnofalltrades.us. J-O-N of alltrades.us. That's a lot of plugs, so we're going to wrap it up there. I've got my next job coming up next week as the John's Audio Resume podcast series rolls on. Number eight. We're going to go till number 10, and then we're going to take a short break, and I think I'm going to come back for interviews. But we'll cover that next week just to give you a heads up for what's coming. So new episode previews go up on Monday, so get the drop on what my next job is two days before everyone else. New episodes launch on Wednesday. So until I hear you back here again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.